Right, and go to John chapter number 11. John chapter 11. <clears throat> As I get in the saddle here. We got a blessing to uh, get the chance while we're down at uh, Dr. Peacock's youth camp to uh, Brother Wheeler was able to show up and got a chance to spend a little bit of time with with him and Dr. Walker and uh, Dr. Peacock and stuff and and it's always a blessing because he's got they've got some stories man <laughs> they've got some stories that uh, and the things that uh, Brother Wheeler has been through in the ministry are very helpful uh, to learn from and just listen to him talk so it's a blessing to uh, see the Lord using him and giving him that building and you know, he told us, he says, it's a really nice building, and uh, it's really suitable for the church and everything, and, you know, they got room to grow, and, you know, he's just taking it a little bit at a time, and so um, <clears throat> really a blessing to see the Lord kind of moving through that and how all the churches, you know, that knew him and, and uh, were getting behind him were able to kind of just help support him through the time of getting the church started, and it's good to see the Lord starting to establish it here however he sees fit, so that's a blessing to be a part of it. In John chapter number 11, John chapter number 11, a familiar passage, I'm sure you've read it before, and, uh, and I've read it before, I've preached from it before, you've heard many sermons from it, but as I've been reading through it, it's, it's been a blessing and a help, and um, it seems like every time you go through something in the Bible that you've been through before, you get something else, that's how you know the book is supernatural. And so, let's just read a few verses here before we get started on a couple thoughts here tonight. The Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, of the town, uh, Mary, uh, excuse me, of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Martha which anointed the Lord with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters went unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Heavenly Father, again, we want to thank you so much for just allowing us to be in church tonight. We thank you for a place to meet, a place to gather, folks to come out and want to hear from you. And Father, I pray tonight that that's exactly what they would get, Lord, something from you. And I pray that, Lord, you'd uh, wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ and uh, help me, Lord, to be uh, still in my thoughts and what you've placed on my heart. And I pray that you'd help me to get it out in an understandable way that's pleasing to you and helpful to these that are here. And so, God, we ask tonight that you would just bless these next few moments and the service to follow. And uh, may we leave here just a little bit better than what we came. We love you now. We uh, plead the blood of Jesus Christ and ask for your spirit to guide us now in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. What I love about John chapter number 11, and if you know anything about the Gospels, you know that based on the genealogies, uh, the Gospels depict Jesus Christ in a different way depending on what Gospel you're reading, right? So the book of Matthew, right, is, leads back to King David and shows Jesus Christ as a king, right? And then the book of Mark doesn't have a genealogy, and in doing so... Uh, shows you that he takes on the form of a servant because it doesn't matter where a servant comes from. In the book of Luke, <clears throat> the genealogy goes all the way back to Adam, showing Jesus Christ as the Son of Man. And then, of course, John taking the genealogy, uh, saying, in the beginning was God, 
uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, showing Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And uh, as you read through the book of John, what you find out is that Jesus Christ is portrayed in such a light in the book of John that it actually helps. As a matter of fact, the new Christian, when you're passing out you know, new, uh, to new converts, the thought is, is that you should you know, pass out John and Romans and, and that kind of thing. And in doing so, <coughs> excuse me, I'm fighting a tickle in my throat. In doing so, what you do is um, give them a foundation in walking with the Lord. And uh, in John chapter 11, you're seeing Jesus Christ dealing with people that are uh, in personal relationship with him. And having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the, and the similarities that you see here, you have Mary and Martha who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They, are, they have been intimate with him. He's been inside their home. He's been invited into their home. They have history. Obviously, there's history with Mary, as has been pointed out in the text. And uh, in doing so, uh, they're now going through a hard time. And what I've found out in the lives of Christians that have personal relationships with the Lord Jesus Christ, that doesn't uh, you know, alienate you from having hard times come up in your life. Amen. And uh, I, can't, I would be remiss if I think about on Wednesday night, just the folks that come out and the prayer service that we have and the, and the, um, <coughs> excuse me, the, uh, the prayer requests that come out and that kind of thing. Folks are going through stuff. People that have a relationship with the Lord, stuff's going on. Things are happening in their lives and there's problems and situations that arise that, you know, sometimes we don't really know how to navigate them. But I'm thankful for chapters like John chapter 11 where it shows Jesus Christ in such a light to where, uh, you know, sometimes we get this view that the Lord just kind of sits up in heaven with a hammer waiting to bash us every time we do something wrong. You know, everybody ever feel that way? You know, you're struggling and things are going on and you feel all alone and, and, and you got the stuff all putting on you and everything else. And, and you still see Jesus Christ as this, as this entity that's just looking and picking out the faults in your life. Jesus Christ in this passage, we're, of course, the famous verse, uh, uh, ch uh, chapter 11, verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. And in that verse, you see the humanity of Jesus Christ. You see the heart of Jesus Christ. And you see that you have a high priest that's, uh, that is someone who can be touched with the feeling of your infirmities and was tempted in all points like you are, yet without any sin. And I don't know about you, but that's the side of Jesus Christ that as I grow older and as I continue to walk with him, that's the side of Jesus Christ I tend to have to cling to more and more. The most shallow interpretation of the Bible is the do's and don'ts. You know that, right? Amen. That's the basis understanding of Scripture. The law was given, right, to show us and to, to make sin exceedingly sinful, to show us our schoolmaster, to bring us to Jesus Christ. The, the law was given to show you that you are unrighteous and unholy against God. That was the, the basis form and basis understanding of the words of God. But see, now in Jesus Christ... Because grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And now in the New Testament, underneath the Pauline doctrine, the dispensation of the grace of God, we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that transcends the do's and the don'ts. You understand? We have a relationship and an access to the Lord Jesus Christ that the folks in the Old Testament could only have dreamed of. 
We have the ability to not just know him by the word of the law, but to know him by the spirit and to know him uh, in his personality, in his, in his humanity. And uh, we have a comforter in Jesus Christ that we have access to because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He took the ordinances that was contained in the law and he nailed it to his cross, taking it out of the way. And now we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. And then sometimes, let me tell you, what we need in our life is just a little bit more grace. Now, here in, uh, in this passage, I, 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 would, I, I love it because it shows us a couple different things and the different viewpoints of the situation that is, that is being talked about here. And it shows us the viewpoints of those that are in the middle of it of the disciples that are walking with Jesus Christ, and we, see, and we see how Jesus Christ handles the situation. And the first thing I want to point out in the text here is just the situation of those that are suffering. And sometimes, uh, as, as, as folks that are in a church with one with another, you have to understand that sometimes when you're looking at somebody who's going through a certain situation, somebody who's going through a trial or a problem or some pain or something like that, it's, it's, it's really easy to just, again, see it from the outside layer. It's really easy sometimes to just not really kind of to be a little bit tone deaf to what it is that person is going through. And a lot of times what we do is we put our foot in our mouth or, or we get in front of ourselves and we end up in our, in a, maybe in the right motive. We end up maybe causing a little bit more harm than good when we start dealing with people that are in the middle of a problem. The problem arises, no doubt, in verse number one is pretty simple that a certain man was sick. And no doubt sickness is a problem. <coughs> Some of you in here, you know that. Some of you in here have been battling sickness and you have loved ones that are battling sickness. You've been, uh, been trying to get over it and trying to you know, get some help. And uh, you're fighting back and forth and the doctors don't know and you don't know. And well, we'll just wait a month and see what happens. And it's hard. And notice it's not just Lazarus that has the problem. You would think that, oh, well, the problem is, resides with Lazarus because he's sick. But we know that, guess what? One person's problems, they tend to reach a multitude of people. It doesn't just affect Lazarus. It affects Martha and Mary as well. And in Martha and Mary's situation, they're burdened because they see their brother that's sick. And uh, you know what the problem is? is They have this feeling of, I can't do anything about it. Their, their hands, there's absolutely nothing that Mary and Martha can do to help their brother Lazarus in the sickness in which he has. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of advice, knowledge, anything like that, that they can help. They're, they feel somewhat helpless. And one thing I know about problems is that problems, they produce pain. They absolutely produce pain. They can cause all kinds of pain. They can cause emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain. Problems, listen, problems, they can not just cause pain, but when pain comes and problems come, what happens naturally is pressure is applied. Whether you realize it or not, every problem that comes up, it just, it's like this, this pressure that gets put down on you. I don't know, I, I do a little bit of lifting here and there, and and you know what you find out? The more weight you put on, the more physical exertion it takes to move that weight because there's an added amount of pressure that's pushing against your muscles. Right? 
Now listen, some of you, you're probably stronger than bulls here, and you could put, you know, 135 pounds on a bench press bar, and you could just throw it up there and toss it around like it's no big deal. Right? And it doesn't really, I mean, that, that amount of pressure is easy for you. But as you continue to put plates on the bar and more plates on the bar, what you find out is you may be able to move 135 real easy, and then you get up and you're not even out of breath. But you put 205 on the bar, you put 215 on the bar, you put 305 on the bar, you know what you find out? You may only do one rep, and you get off of that rep, and you're out of breath, and you're like, oh. You're breathing heavy and you're like, man, what is going on? Your body exerts so much force pressing against the pressure that it, it just it takes everything out of you. And so sometimes when problems come and the pain comes and the pressure is applied, what ends up happening is you start getting exhausted. You start getting to the place where it's like, I don't know if I can do this much longer. I don't know how much more of this I can take. And you know what happens a lot of times is, you know, you get to the place and and, and in working out, they say you go to failure. And sometimes, you know what they tell you in weightlifting, if you really want to really work past those, those sticking points, you have to learn to push and to fight against the failure. Because what will happen is, is your mind will say, you can't do this, and you have to learn how to press through that and break through that mental barrier so that you can get that weight back up. What is the illustration? The illustration is, is that the more pressure that is applied, the more ex- exhausted you become. And these ladies and this gentleman, they're flat exhausted because they've got problems and they can't do it. They feel helpless. And I can see it on their faces when, when they walk around and they, they're smiling a little bit. Hey, how you doing? Oh, we're fine. We're fine. But you kind of just see it past their eyes that there's this, this worry and this frantic, this uncertainty. They're not quite there. Their heart and their mind is somewhere else, you know, trying to focus on the problems that are at hand. And they're just under the gun. You ever feel that way? You got things in your life, you just feel, man, I'm under the gun, man. I, I don't know how much more I can do. I don't know how much more force I can, I can press against this pressure. We see that they petition the Lord in verse number 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Praise the Lord, they had the sense to know when they were under pressure and when they were in the middle of their problem, they knew who to go to. Amen? We don't have to belabor that point. We know that uh, so, so oftentimes that, uh, oh, the, the, uh, the needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. They knew exactly where to take their problems. They, listen, they couldn't leave their problems. Notice what it said in the verse. They had to send for him. They had to send for him. You ever pray sometimes and you're like praying, you're like, Lord, you know, and you're, and you're pouring your heart out and you realize that as you pray, you haven't left your problems at all. They're still there. But you're sending prayers up and you're wondering if they're getting past the ceiling. Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, this situation's hard. Lord, we really need your help. Lord, I could really 
I'd just love to see you walk through that front door. I'd love to hear a knock at the door. And, you know, I'd love to see you just kind of roll the clouds away. Lord, will you help me? Help me, Lord, help me. It's one of them prayers you don't even know how to pray. You don't know what to pray. You know that God's in control. And you know that, you know, all the stuff that, you know, the, the little Christian cliches that sometimes we live by and sometimes we try to comfort one another with. And uh, you're repeating those to yourself. And you're not really finding the comfort in it. And you're just saying kind of like Peter when he's sinking in the water, help, Lord, help, Lord, need some help, Lord. And you're just sending those prayers up, sending those prayers up, sending those prayers up. And of course, you know, they have to be patient. As those messengers got to Jesus Christ, the Bible says he abode in that place two days. He just sat there. Say, why? Doesn't tell you why. Because he thought he should. Because he needed to, because he wanted to. The Bible says that he just stayed there. He abode where he was two days. What you find out is that he's about a two-day journey from Bethany. In the previous chapter, what you find out is that he is, <coughs> excuse me, he is, um, he's been uh, uh, approached and, and threatened to be stoned twice. And the Bible says that he he leaves uh, to that place beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. That's, that's Bethbara beyond Jordan. It's about 60 miles from Bethany. It's about a two-day walk from Bethany to Bethbara where he was at. And so if you could just picture this with me, if you will, what you find out is that they ha- they're in this problem. And undoubtedly the problem, you know, it kind of came on slowly. And then when things kind of got more serious, they send for Jesus Christ. That's a two-day journey from where they are to Jesus Christ. So they petition the Lord. They send their, their prayers. They send their petitions out. And it, doesn't, it takes two days for that to even get to where the Lord is. Right? And you see that in the passage, the Lord tells them, He says, hey, listen, this sickness is not unto death. Right? He says, but it's that they may see the glory of God. Now, could you imagine how that was interpreted when it came back home? Right? Now, if I could just kind of go through the timeline with you, because reading it at face value, unless you kind of dig into the timeline, doesn't mean as much. But they send these messengers out. takes them two days to get there. They tell the Lord. The Lord responds. You say, what did he do? Hey, let's go right now. Let's follow them back. Nope, that's not what he does. He says, well, we're going to stick. we got some stuff going on here, so we'll stick around. But you just tell them. It's not unto death, so they see the glory of God. And then it's a two-day journey back. And so Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are sitting there in the house sweating it out. What's the Lord going to do? What's going on? Help us, Lord. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they get back and they see those servants coming up the driveway and they're excited. They're like, the Lord, He's coming through. They must have found Him. They're coming back. And they come in and they say, hey, guys, guys, listen, listen. He said... It's not unto death. He said, listen, he said that everything is going to be all right. And there's a brief moment of, you know, like relief and (coughs) thankfulness maybe. And then they start hearing Lazarus have a cough attack in the next room. And they go in there and his face is white as a ghost. And all of a sudden, he's gasping for air. And they're like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I thought the Lord said, 
I thought the Lord said, I thought, why is this going on? Why is this happening to us? I thought the Lord said, what did, are you sure you got it right? Are you sure that's what he said? And they said, that's what he said. And they go in and they say, and they're just wiping the brow of Lazarus and he's got fever, you know, going through the roof and, and he's just been bedridden for, for weeks now. And they said, hey, listen, bro, the Lord came back. He said, it's not unto death. You're going to be okay. It's for the glory of God. You know, Lazarus gives him just one of them little smiles through his feverish brow and goes back to sleep. Can you see the stress and the fear in the two sisters' heart? Can you see the hopefulness but hopelessness in the mind of Lazarus as he lays there? And each day his sisters come back and say, Hey, how you feeling, bud? How you feeling? And he's starting to feel pressure because he doesn't want to discourage his sisters. And so he kind of gives them, well, I may, I, I don't, maybe I'm feeling a little bit better. You know, I, I, I don't know. And, but in, the mind, in his mind, he says, I'm not getting any better. I think I'm getting worse. But he doesn't want to upset his sisters. And so he fabricates some kind of story. And says, I'm not quite sure. And two days goes by. You know what happens? Lazarus takes his last breath. And they start weeping. You know what? In the Jewish custom, they put that person in the ground immediately. They don't wait a couple days like we do in our society. You know, we put them on ice and then, you know, do it in a couple weeks. We can do it, you know, in the springtime. If it's in the winter, you know, we got some options. They didn't have those options. And so it's just so fast. He takes his last breath and they come in and they take care of the body and they put him in the tomb. They roll the stone away and they have not yet seen the Lord. And they said, I thought this was going to work out differently. I saw, I see what he said. I listened to what he said. And I thought he was going to do this. And their, their expectations were different than what the Lord had said. And, they, and their faith is being shaken. Because you know how you know the timeline? Jesus Christ stays there for two days. That means on the second day, they get back there. Okay? Uh, and two days, he's got another two to three day journey back. And by the time he gets there, he says he's been in the ground for four days. And so they're sitting there sweating it out. You know what else you find in the passage? You find out, you find out that it's not for a lack of, of passion or love that they have for the Lord that this problem is the way it is. You ever think about that? What happens over there uh, in verse number 2, it says, This was the Mary that broke the box and wept over his feet and dried it, the, the, the tears with her hair. This is that message that you heard preached where she breaks the alabaster box and says, Lord, whatever it is, no matter what it is, I, I, I'm, I'm yours. I surrender it to you. I love you. And, 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 it's, and it doesn't matter how much it costs this ointment. I love you. It had nothing to do with how much Mary or Martha loved the Lord. And then, you know, I think it's around verse 5. The Bible says that Jesus Christ loved them too had nothing to do with Jesus Christ's love or care for them. 
See, so many times when we go through problems and things that we thought we think are just going to get old, they're going to get better. This is just normal stuff, and then they pile on and pile on, and they seem to get worse. And things don't happen the way we think they're supposed to happen. Sometimes we think, well, maybe I just don't love God the way I'm supposed to. Well, maybe, 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 maybe the Lord's mad at me. Maybe I've done something to offend the Lord, and now this is why it's happening to me. Because we have this mentality that if I do wrong, what the Lord is going to do is he's going to bring problems into my life and blow up my car or, or, or cause somebody to get sick or my wife's going to die in a car accident. He's going to take one of my kids. And that's garbage. You think that's the way the Lord deals with us? I assure you it is not. It is not. And if you have that mentality in your life, every time something bad happens to you, you're going to get awful discouraged because you have a base understanding of the Lord and how He deals with His children. He's not, every time you do wrong or every time there's some fellowship gap or you do something or you're not 100% on your best spiritual game that you think He's going to do something to you to get, you back, to get back at you, He's not vengeful like that. You realize that your service to Jesus Christ is a choice. Amen. It's a choice. Some of you in here may never do anything for the Lord, and that's your choice. That's fine. The Lord's okay with it. You understand? The Lord's all right with it. There's a good, acceptable, perfect will of God, all that kind of stuff. He saved your soul from hell, period. You are accepted in the beloved present tense. There is nothing that you can do to gain more favor with the Lord. You're His. It's not why this stuff was going on. Has no reason to even cross their mind, but you know it did. They're confused, they're hurt, and they're trying their best to make sense of a situation that they can't make sense of. You know, sometimes when we look at people that are going through it, we have to be mindful that there's a lot more emotions at play than just the fact that this is going on in somebody's life. You see somebody and, and, uh, you know, one of the spouses is sick or one of the kids are sick and you realize it's not just the kid or the spouse that's sick. The whole house suffers. You see? The home's not, the home's not right. Somebody's not, somebody's not at 100%. And you realize that there's a lot more emotions and I don't want to stress my spouse out and I don't want to... And, and then you see the things that you can't do with your kids at the time or you see somebody that's at a church and it's burdened in your heart and you don't realize it's not just that this person is lost, it's that this person is lost and, and uh, they're, they're, they're a part of our family and, 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 and it's, it's weighing on your heart and it, and, it, and it affects the decisions that you make and how you respond to this person. It's not just the fact that there's some financial problems, it's the stress that puts on the marriage and then it's the, and then it's the things that you have to tell your kids you can't afford and I'm sorry but we can't do that this month and it's embarrassing and it's hard and it's there's a lot more things going on than just the problem you understand we have to see the situation of people that are actually suffering sometimes we don't realize that the cut goes a lot deeper than just the surface wound the passage also shows us the mindset of the ministry in verse number seven as he abodes there two days he comes to the conclusion in verse number 6. He says, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days. Verse 7, Then after that, he saith to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. Right? He wants to go help. He knows that there is sorrow. He knows that there is a need. Okay? 
And as the Lord opens the door for him to go back, what he finds out, his disciples have something to say about it, as always. You mean, you mean we need to go back to Judea, the place where they just wanted to stone you? You mean the Judea, the place where like they crowded around you and almost pushed you off a cliff and chucked rocks at you, but the Bible says that you just escaped through the midst of them? Like, explain that one for me. Read that a couple times and figure out how he did that. Did he like, lev- did they just like split the crowd like the Red Sea and he walked down through the middle of them? Did he like just disappear, poof, gone by? Like, what happened? Two times in the previous chapter, uh, it said that they come, they, they, they surround him, they pick up stones to stone him, and then he just escapes, just magically escapes. <laughs> right? He says, you mean we're going back down there? You see, you have to understand, when people are suffering and, then, and, and situations arise in their life, that people need to be ministered to. That, I don't know about you, but that doesn't come natural to a lot of people. A lot of people try to say that they minister to folks, but really, do you? <laughs> do we? Do you think Job's friends, they probably thought they were ministering to Job? You think? That's why they were there. They thought they could get Job right with God. They had their own thoughts, their own feelings of the situation. But of course, you know what the Bible says. It says, miserable comforters are ye. I wonder if the Lord were to take inventory of the folks that we've tried to minister to in their sufferings, if they would say the same about us. I wonder if the Lord were to record some of the things that we've said and done to people who are in the midst of trouble, if those words would be penned about us. Miserable comforters are you and me. You see, when it comes to ministry, the disciples, they focused on the opposition and the obstacles that were at hand. See what Jesus Christ replies back in verse 9. <coughs> he says, uh, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. If a man walk in the night, he stumbles, because there is no light in him. I love the way he answers. He says, says, listen, gentlemen, is there not twelve hours in the day? And listen, if we're going to do something for God, the time to do it is now. It's not to wait until things cool down. It's not to wait until the the road and the path seems clear. The time to minister is now. The door is open now to take care and help some folks that need to be helped. And yeah, there's risk involved. And yeah, there's problems that could arise. There's situations that could arise. There's obstacles in the way. But the fact of the matter is, is God put me here to not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give himself a ransom for many. Jesus Christ understood the importance of ministry. See, it wasn't about him. It was about other people. Jesus, by faith, saw the opportunity, not the obstacles in front of him. We have a tendency to do that. Well, don't you know, things are getting pretty bad out there in the world. Nobody wants to listen anymore. You know, them queers, you know, they're out there, you know. You know, the political atmosphere. You know, folks, they don't really want to listen anymore. These young people, they're just... 
Isn't that what we do? We just focus on the obstacles. We just focus on the times. And Jesus Christ says, is there not 12 hours in a day? Is there still light? Is there st- hey, listen, are you still walking around? You still got the Holy Spirit inside of you? You still have the gospel? You still have the word of God? You still have something to tell them that will help them out in their struggles and in their problems? He says, then what are you focusing on all the problems for? There's only 12 hours in a day. Better get to work. We better get to walking. It's a two-day journey to get to where they're at. Sometimes it's a process to help people. You know what? Sometimes you're not able to help people when you want to help people. I've seen that happen. I've had that happen to myself before. You see people going through problems, and you know what you realize? You're not the one that's supposed to help them. And that's okay. For whatever reason, you're just not the one that's going to be the one that connects with them or the Lord has for them to get the help from. And God help you if you try to force yourself on people that way, you'll cause more problems than good. You may do it from the right motive, but listen, sometimes it ain't your place. When you get to some folks, you know what? It's uh, some things to take away uh, from the passage here. Uh, When you're trying to, uh, excuse me, when you're trying to help some folks, you have to realize that sometimes we fail because we think in order to comfort someone, we need to be able to give them an answer. Sometimes we fail to comfort people because we feel that in order to comfort them, we have to be able to relate to the situation that they find themselves in. That is a problem. Now listen, I, just a word of caution, that, that fixing mentality that sometimes we have when it comes to people's problems is not helpful. You're not there to fix their problem. Sometimes you need to realize if you're going to help some people, there's no need to provide an explanation for the reason they're going through what they're going through. If you want to help some people, there's no need to try to personally relate to their situation. Listen, if you're going to try to help some people, there's no reason for you to think that you need to provide a solution for their problem. You don't. Nor can you. I remember losing my dad. And listen, I appreciate the folks that wanted to help or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is that... So many people came to me and said so many stupid things. I just wanted to be left alone. And then you know what I found out? There were certain people in my life that I wanted to be around at that time. And you know what? I didn't even know who they were until that thing happened. See, I've been on the other end of the suffering before. Not just in that situation, in other situations too. And you know, the last thing I want is somebody to come in there and tell me exactly what I need to be doing. Listen, when you get that phone call, and when you get that news, and you got that pressure, and you got that pain, I don't care what happened to you. (laughs) I probably don't even want to hear about it. How about giving some prayer? Don't we underestimate the power of prayer? You want to know something? I don't remember any bits of advice 
anybody, I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly critically thinking about it in the, in the one scenario with losing my dad. I don't remember one bit of advice anybody gave me ever. You know what I do remember? Some folks coming up to me saying, man, I'm praying for you. When we buried my wife's dad, you know what was helpful? The text messages, hey, I'm praying for you. You see? That was helpful. That did more for me, knowing that there were people that were inconveniencing themselves and taking time out of their day to bring my name up before the Lord in my situation. That helped me. That helped my wife. Listen, maybe how about giving some relief to their pressure? Well, how in the world do you do that? Maybe can you cook a meal for them? Can you cook a meal? Can you meet a need? Can you meet a need? Hey, can I pick your kids up from school for you? Hey, can, you know, I, I don't have a ton of money, but hey, you know, here's 150 bucks for the light bill or something like that this month. Hey, can I just alleviate some, some pressure from you? Go cut the grass for them. Trim the bushes. Throw the mulch out. You know, can I, is there something I can just figure it out? Don't go to them and ask them, but just, just look and observe and try to find a need. Think about the situation from their viewpoint instead of your viewpoint, because a lot of times what happens is, is it's not, we, when we get in that situation, there's pressure, you put pressure on yourself to be a certain thing to this person, and you kind of forget it's not about you, it's about them. And so it's not you doing something for them. It's not about you to feel better about yourself or you to be able to tell somebody else, yeah, I was really there for that person. You know, I went and did this for him. No, it's a matter of fact of can you look at the situation and with your common sense say, well, I can put the lawn tractor on the trailer and run down there and mow the grass for him and I don't even have to tell him. We can make sure that there's some meals there. I've seen this church do that for people. You say, I'm just, what are you saying? The mindset of the ministry. Instead of making excuses, how do we actually help? How about being patient with them? You know that people process problems and tragedies at different bandwidths? Not everybody deals with situations in the same amount of speed that you deal with them. And you know what a lot of times what people need is folks who just step back and allow them to go through the process because there's nothing you can do to speed that process up. Nothing. People have to be able to process the issues that they find themselves in. And guess what? It is important for them to realize that there's not people that are just like, hey, can you hurry up and get over it? Because we're trying to move on. It's like, but this, isn't, this is my problem. I'm sorry that I'm inconveniencing you, but I'm, I'm going through it right now. Could you maybe just back up and just be patient with them? I remember the illustration that was, you know, given when... Danny Hall and his wife had their, you know, little baby girl, and, and that baby was, was born, was stillborn. And all they ever wanted was a little baby girl, and they had the nursery all set up, and they had all this, you know, you know thankfulness and praying and thanking God, and, and that baby comes out, and the baby's stillborn. And they didn't have any money, and so Danny goes in and gets a piece of marble, and he etches... Mary Ann Hall on that piece of marble stone and puts it out in the graveyard and buries that little baby girl in a little white box because he couldn't afford a funeral. 
and Didi is his wife, and there was brother and nurse that a uh, year or so later said, you're not over that yet? You idiot. Could you possibly say that to somebody like that? Yeah, well, my wife, oh, shut up. Yeah, well, when something like that happened to me, shut your mouth. Well, I saw somebody else go through that, and they were about three months, man. Shut up. Why don't you be patient with folks and just let them get through some things? Not everybody's like you. Not everybody's like me. Listen, there's some stuff that happens to you that's waters off a duck's back, man. And the same thing happened to somebody else, and it just tears them to pieces. Could you be patient with them, even though you don't understand? Could you be patient with them? Well, they're weak. It has nothing to do with their spiritual strength. Nothing. Well, if they just love God, just stop. Just stop. Just be patient. How about this? Just be present. Just be there if you're called upon. There's been some things in my life where I just had somebody just on the other end of the phone. Didn't say a word. I was just, I appreciate it, man. And when you just hang up, that's all there is. He says, call me if you need anything else. That's it. Because there's stuff going on that people are going through. And guess what? It's not for you to insert yourself in the situation. But if, you're, if, if, if they do confide in you, just be there for them. Right? Just be available. Be present. And guess what? Realize that sometimes silence is the best thing you can do for them. Hey, I'm praying for you. A text message, just like touch and go. Hey, praying for you, thinking about you. Here if you need me. It's those little things. You say, why is this so important? Because we're a church. And there's people going through stuff. Stuff that you're not even going to tell. And we have to be cognizant of these things. The one thing we all have in common is that this life is a veil of tears. Jesus Christ was asked one time, said, we want to be on the right hand and left hand of you uh, uh, in glory. And he says, well, can you be uh, baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized? Well, absolutely. And he's like, oh, well, you know, maybe you can, but that's not mine to give. He's talking about, oh, his baptism in water? No. How about a baptism of suffering? We're all going to suffer. It's the common bond that we have. And the Lord gives us the gift of being in a local church with people. And we all have different relationships and different things and how we interact with one another. The Bible says you should be able to weep with them that weep. Right? And help them out. I see, and we'll wrap this up here. I'll just give you this last thought. We won't go through any outline or anything like that. But You know what you find out in the end of this story? And this is important for us to grasp as we're going through issues and, and things like that is that, see, the Lord, He's playing 4D chess. The Bible says that our thoughts are not His thoughts and our ways are not His ways. And there's a lot of people in this story and they all have their different perspective and they all have their different point of view of what's going on. But what you have to understand is that when you're dealing with problems with the Lord, He's got a whole lot more stuff on His mind than you can see. There's a lot more pieces on the board than what you think. But we tend to only be able to see it from our small little viewpoint. And so... 
what you find out is that he has, he has different pieces he's trying to deal with. That's why he waited two days. That's why he took his time. That's why he sent the message the way he sent it when he sent it. You see, all of that stuff was orchestrated in God's perfect time, in God's perfect plan, in His perfect wisdom. He was doing something that they had no idea for. See, when they heard it was for the glory of God, they just processed it as, oh, well, He's going to get better and everyone's going to rejoice. And that wasn't what He's talking about. You see, sometimes we think that if God answers the prayer the way that I asked Him to pray for it, that means He answers the prayer. But what if he answers it differently? Does it mean that he said no? No, it just means he's doing something else that you can't see. You see, there's Mary and there's Martha here. I mean, Lazarus, all right. <laughs> Lazarus, like, okay, man, I'll take care of the dead, man. That's no problem. That's easy, right? But Mary and Martha, they're two different, two different birds, man. You see what happens? The Lord comes and Martha gets word of it and she runs out. The minute she hears that he's within you know, running distance, she tucktails out of the house. She says, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You see what the Lord's trying to do in the midst of problems? He's trying to work on you. He's trying to work on you, his saints, his children, his believers the ones that have that relationship with them, the ones that have accepted them into their home, the ones that have rolled out the red carpet and broken the alabaster box. He's trying to work on you. But my brother's the one that's sick, but yeah, but he's trying to work on you. You see, Martha, you can't speed up the process. The faster you run to him doesn't mean it's going to solve your problem any quicker. There's nothing that you can do to fix this problem. Isn't that an important thing for you to understand and grasp? You have zero, you have zero ability to actually do anything in your life. Understand? Tell me your best plans. Tell me your greatest abilities. Tell me your grandiose idea of how you're going to plan your life and live your life. The Lord could stop your heart, just, just, just snuff, just gone. And you know what? The world would never stop. So Martha comes and runs. You know what she realizes? The Lord's trying to teach her something. Martha, he's gonna, you know, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna rise. I know, Lord. I know, Lord. I know, Lord. And she starts, you know, getting all theological on the Lord. And she realizes that, listen, the amount of things that you know and your vast intellect and your ability to process situations and understand the complex biblical doctrines and all that kind of stuff doesn't really matter in the middle of a storm. In the middle of your problems. It's good that you know it. I'm, he's glad that Martha knows it, but he's trying to get her past the fact that her relationship with him is more than just service. Her relationship with him is more than just head knowledge. Her relationship with him is more than just knowing where he is and how to get to him when she needs to get to him. That her relationship has to grow past those fundamental rudimentary things about the Christian life. It has to transcend that to where it's not just intellectual and it's not just doctrinal and it's not just structural, but it's actually spiritual. 
And there's this comfort and there's this personal relationship that she can develop with the Lord that Mary already had. And Martha, he's trying to deal with Martha. You ever find yourself there? Problems come. I've had that problem. I got problems like that right now. And there's nothing I can do. (laughs) I want to do something, but I can't because I can't do nothing about it. I can't work harder. I can't study more. I can't try harder. There's nothing I can do. You know what? You got to let the Lord be the Lord. And see, where's Mary? While Martha's running, the Bible says that Mary stayed still. You see that in the passage? She stays still in the house. And the Lord's dealing with Martha. You know what the Lord wants to do? He wants to see the reaction of two different people. You know what? Martha comes up to the Lord and says the same exact thing. Down there further down in the passage. I'm trying to run through it for the sake of time. Mary comes when, she, when he gets closer. She comes out of the house and goes to Jesus Christ and says the exact same thing that Martha said. Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But see, there's a fundamental difference. Even though they said the same thing. There's a fundamental difference in the response that they had toward the Lord. Martha, she started, you know, going back to, you know, what she knew. You know what happens after Mary says that? You know what the Lord does? The Bible says, and when he saw her weeping. You see, Mary, she wasn't worried about the resurrection and and uh, all the doctrinal nuggets that she had gotten, and she wasn't worried about how fast she, she, you know, the location of where he was at. She, she was just sitting still, and then when finally he was close enough, she went to him, and she just started weeping. And the Lord puts his hand on her shoulder, and he looks around, and he sees all those people that are weeping with Mary because they see Mary in the state that she's in, and they're like, Mary's not normally like that. She's really going through it. She's not as hyper-emotional and crazy as her sister Martha is. She's a pretty level, even-keeled gal. And they're watching her dump buckets of tears. And the Lord's saying, and the Lord starts crying. The Lord, the Bible says in verse 35, Jesus wept. You know what he's trying to teach Martha? Hey, Martha, I just want to let you know no matter how hard it is and how painful it is, I just want you to know I'm always here and you can always weep on my feet. Listen, my relationship with you is more than just an alabaster box and you sacrificing something at my feet. I just want you to know, I already know that you're submitted. I already know you're sacrificed and surrendered to me. But there's going to be things in your life that you guess what? You're just going to come and there's nothing else you can say. You're just going to weep at my feet and I'm not looking for nothing else from you. I just want you to know that you can find comfort at my feet. I'm not always looking for you to give me something. He's trying to take Mary to the next level. He's trying to bring Mary around. And then, of course, the one thing that we always tell folks when they're going through problems, the Bible says that all those people are looking at the Lord. And don't you know, when lost people or when folks that don't know the Lord, you know what they think about when they think about Jesus Christ? What we talked about earlier, hammer, bang, right? People look at the Lord and they see and they see somebody going through something, you know, with a level head. 
You know what they see on display is the compassion and the love and the carefulness of a Savior that truly loves His children. That thing is put on display in the lives of those that follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they go through problems and they go through hardships, allow the Lord to minister to them through those things. People see that in their lives and they go, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. Because all they think about when they think about the Lord is the judgment of God, the judgment of God, the judgment of God. And you want to see a testament, you want to see a light that shines among men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You want to, you don't have to say a word. You're just going through stuff and you're just, you're just stable and the Lord's just getting you through that thing. And the Lord lets people see that and he puts your life on display without you telling anybody. And the Bible says that many of those that were there to comfort Mary, they realized, I can't, there's something that, I, that she's getting comforted by somebody and they, he's comforting her in a way that I cannot do that. And you know what the Bible says? That they believed on him. You see, when you look back at this situation that's happening, you have to realize that there's a lot of different things. He's working on his disciples about the ministry and how they deal with people. He's working on, uh, he's working on, Martha in an individual way. He's working on Mary in an individual way. He's working on every one of those people that are spectating the whole thing. He's working on every inch and every square inch of that situation. He has a purpose and a plan for, and you will drive yourself crazy if you try to figure out why. Because he's not going to tell you why. Because if he told you, you wouldn't get it anyway. You wouldn't get it anyway. But you know what we got to learn to do? we got to learn, like Mary's learning, like Martha's learning, that when problems come and problems arise, that there's somebody in the, in the person of Jesus Christ that if you can get close enough to him, he will take you through that problem and help you through that problem, and uh, nobody else is going to be able to explain it. And there's no amount of advice that I can give or somebody else can give that's going to help you get through it. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen. What was the purpose of it? He told you the purpose of it in verse 4. Now, just because you interpreted the verse to fit your answer doesn't change the fact that His answer was still right in the way that He made it work out. He says that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, listen, He raises Lazarus from the dead, and that's the great story. But here's the thing. You live in a different dispensation than they're talking about. Amen. Can I say this? The problems that you have tonight, you may not even mention them in prayer service. The problems you have tonight, and I know some of them. You know what? It may not end the way you want it to. But guess what? The truth of the matter is still the same. That the Son of God might be glorified. Where? In your life? In the life of those around you? And your testimony in the church, your testimony amongst your peers, your folks you work with. I'm just here to tell you tonight, listen, I don't, have an, I don't have an answer to why. All I know is that he's playing a game that I can't, I can't fathom. And you can't fathom. But I do know this, that he always does right. Amen. I do know this, he loves us dearly. I do know this, the problems you have in your life tonight, 
you may not want to just keep beating yourself up over it because guess what? It has nothing to do with how much you love him or how much he loves you. The fact of the matter is, is he allows, that's one thing that lost people and saved people have in common, is that life happens to everybody. The difference is, is that you've got somebody that's willing to walk two days. You've got somebody that's gracious enough to wait two days and let you sit there and listen and, and, and fret a little bit because it's for your good. We have a Lord that takes care of us like a great father does. And that should bring us some encouragement to know that no matter how bad it gets, no matter how rough it is, you know, the Lord's taking care of the thing. And you don't need to know how it's going to end. It may not end like the Lazarus story. Surely you know some people that have had situations in their life, and guess what? It didn't end like that. There is no great ending to the story. The, the baby died. The wife died, the husband died, the brother died, the bankruptcy happened, they lost the house, right? But even if that's the, if that's the fallout, I do know this, he's still working it together for your good. Amen. I do know this, that's not the time to quit. I do know this, it's not the time to just keep staring at the obstacles and, and making excuses of why you can't and why you can't and why you can't. I do know this, that even though it's not in our time, I know that he's always on time. And whatever it is you're going through tonight, I just want to try to encourage you. Nothing deep here, nothing crazy tonight. I just want to maybe encourage you. Middle of the week, it's a Wednesday, you're underneath the gun, you got all kinds of stress, got all kinds of problems. Some of you in here, you don't even know, you don't even know to ask, you don't even know how to ask for prayer with the situation that you're in because there's it's literally, it could just be like five or six little things, and all those things add a little bit of pressure, and you just feel like your life's coming apart at the seams. And you don't even know why sometimes. You're just like, what is going on? Maybe just maybe, maybe you're in that situation just so that when you look at somebody else, you're not so quick to judge them. We were at a festival the other night. Uh, they had this little thing at New Boston where they all walk around in, you know, Civil War clothes and all this other stuff. And they, you know, weird. <laughs> They're hand-making things and everything else. They're forging knives and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of neat. We were walking around there. There's this lady walking around with her kid. And uh, he just started spazzing out. I mean, he just started going nuts. He's cussing, going crazy. I mean, I mean, I was like, whoa. Right? We got back in the car and we're on the way home. I said, how about that lady with that kid? <laughs> right? And my wife, you know, she, she looked at her and she says, yeah, but you don't know if that kid's autistic. You see? She says, you don't know how much that lady may be working with that kid. And because of his autism, he acts that way and he lashes out. You, you don't know, you don't know if, uh, if, if, he's, if, if, the re, if the reason he's acting like that is because he's on certain medication or trying to balance him out, and so they're working on a couple different things. You don't know if uh, that's a divorce situation and the government is involved and she's not able to do the things that you would do to your kids in your home. You see, we only see it from one side. And I start to think about it, I was like, yep. And she's going through it. And it's embarrassing. And it's hard. And you know something? 
we can look at the same people the same way. You look at somebody from the outside and you go, oh, that's why it's going on. That's why this is happening. Hey, 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 listen. You have no idea what's going on in somebody's life. You can make judgments, but you're probably wrong. You know what we need to be quick to do? Minister to folks. Not pass judgment on them. Minister to them. Help them. Not tell them what you know. Not try to do those things, but rather, hey, you know what? Can I, can I just do something for you? Can I pray for you? Just praying for you. And just learn how to minister to people. And if sometimes you're the one that needs to be ministered to, there's going to come a time where you need to be the one to minister. Those things flip-flop. And so hopefully you get encouraged tonight with that. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for tonight. We thank you for the book. We thank you for the comfort it gives us. We thank you for the um, uh, example that you give us, Lord, in the Bible uh, to help us through our lives. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one in here tonight, no matter what the situation is, no matter how hard it may be, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would allow them to get the comfort from this passage that undoubtedly it should give us. And, Lord, it's not that you take the situation away. Sometimes it takes a few days. Sometimes it takes some time. But I pray, Lord, that you'd keep them encouraged. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us uh, to just go day by day. And, uh, Lord, may we see your hand in our lives uh, working. And may we be cognizant, Lord, that there's a lot more stuff at play than what we can see. And help us to just be faithful in the things in which you called us to do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.